Hello and welcome to the Guide on the Side podcast. I'm your host, Roberta Haynes, sometimes known as Guide on the Side. Um, and I want to welcome you to the very first episode, the inaugural episode of Guide on the Side podcast. Um, there's a couple things you can expect from this podcast and a little bit that you might want to know about me and that you might want to know to give you some context for the adventure that you're about to begin listening to Guide on the Side podcast. So let's kind of start at the top. Um, you might have wandered or stumbled upon this podcast uh, in connection or relationships to maybe other educational podcasts or self-help podcasts. And Guide on the Side podcast is a combination of all of those things. I, as an educator of many, many years, have worked with so many different types of students um, collaborated with so many other different types of teachers and administrators and ultimately supported so many different types of parents that I've seen the need and the value for better understanding our personality identifications, better understanding how students can identify or develop their own sense of identity, and better understand and see the need for open communication between teachers, parents, teachers and teachers, teachers and students, teachers and admin, teachers and everyone because we are all teachers at the end of the day we all have something to give something to share with the world and part of our I don't know karmic journey um, or cosmic purpose might be to to really define and figure out what are those strengths we all have weaknesses and what how are those weaknesses going to get in the way um, of sharing and teaching each other so this podcast is a tool is a tool for me to share information with you. Um, it's a tool for you to become more self-aware and to get insight and better interact with your students or better interact with your, um, your peers or even just your family, the people around you. The podcast is not specifically focused towards teachers, though I am a teacher. In, in the future, I'll be interviewing lots more teachers um, and, and as well as other professionals in the world of education, in the world of psychology, but really this podcast is an opportunity for you to sit back and kind of ruminate and focus on maybe one or two little nuggets, little acorns that are going to help you grow into a mighty oak tree. Um, We're all in it together and being more aware of our personality intelligences uh, and strategies gives us the opportunity to mobilize everyone's resources. It helps us be better for others. It also helps us be better for us. Um, we're, we're better able to reconcile our differences, um, to become more humane in every way, and to lead, to lead each other, to lead ourselves. And that when we gain new knowledge, it leads to more compassion for ourselves and better understanding of the similarities and differences that we share as really particular mammals that walk this earth. So I hope that you're here um, with an open heart and an open mind, and I hope that you walk away with an equally open heart and maybe an even more open mind. So as a leader and as a teacher, I think it's important to be goal-oriented, and maybe that's just the type three of me that you'll learn about later, uh, but goals help us find meaning, it gives us value to the work that we do in life. And so one of the goals of each episode of this podcast 
we'll be giving some definition, some context, some maybe new thoughts or new ideas. Maybe they're not new to you. Maybe it's an extension of something that you're already familiar with. But there will be a discussion. There will be a topic, um, and there will be an opportunity to dig into that topic more deeply. Being a teacher, though, it's important to walk away from any sort of development. You might take professional development. You might take seminars or webinars. Um, even when we're reflecting on lessons, the reflection component is very important into meeting your goals. So I will invite you at the end of the episode with a bit of mindfulness to have some reflection on what are you going to take away from each day, from each moment of each day. But ultimately, how can you apply this to tomorrow? I know for me as a teacher, um, I sit through so many different you know, lectures and webinars and professional developments, and I can glean great information, but at the end of the day, I want to know, how do I do this tomorrow? How do I put this into practice, whether that be in my classroom or in my home life? What can I walk away with and try? So. When you go to a restaurant, you might not always finish the whole meal. Sometimes the, the meal is so good or you're, you're already so full as you digest these great things that you want to walk away with a to-go bag. And so one of my goals for most, if not all, episodes of the podcast is to have a little to-go bag for you, something that you can implement tomorrow or next week or next time you're in the classroom or next time you're dealing with a difficult family member or a difficult administrator or you get in a fight with you know, your spouse about something really mundane, I hope that you can walk away with a little bit more in your toolbox and opportunities to look at maybe your struggles or maybe differences or maybe, you know, low points as an opportunity for growth and to kind of practice some of these things because part of being a guide on the side is that you do step away at watching the practice and you reevaluate. And I think that there's, there's a lot of opportunities in life to be better at observing. And really, that's where we start to find out and, and see the, the true growth. We see the progress when we step back and we watch what's happening. Instead of just go, go, going and trying the next new thing, we really do need to step back and say, is this working? Should I adapt? Do I need to change something? How can I better understand the situation because most often in the moment we're only seeing it through a very specific lens we're perceiving things through the lens of that moment of time and so i want you to be able to feel fulfilled and walk away with a, a longer list or a bigger toolbox of resources to help you better function better understand and feel more fulfilled as a leader and as a guide on the side before we wrap it up, you do need to know a little bit about me and how I kind of fell into this opportunity that I now call Guide on the Side. Um, when I was in first grade, I had a really amazing teacher named Mrs. Neeser, and she's no longer with us, um, but she told my parents probably the first month of school of first grade, Roberta's going to be a teacher when she grows up. And so my mom was like, yeah, you know, she's kind of bossy and she's a big sister, so she likes to be kind of in control and she loves school and learning and she learned to read at a really young age. And so, yeah, I guess that makes sense. And Mrs. Neeser said, no, there's something else. There's something else that a teacher needs that isn't just being in control or being a leader or being well-read or educated. 
she's going to be a teacher when she grows up. And my mom was kind of, I don't know, flippant about it. Yeah, 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 okay, she'll be a teacher. And I remember her asking me after school one day, oh, Mrs. Neeser said you want to be a teacher when you grow up. Is that what you want to be when you grow up? And I said, no, I'm going to be a ballerina when I grow up, of course. And my mom said, oh, okay. And she kind of just let it go. But that, that story really stuck with me as I grew up. And I had so many different people in my life that were constantly saying like, oh, you're just going to be a teacher when you grow up. You're meant to be a teacher. You'll, I know you're going to be a teacher. You're going to be a great teacher. And, you know, sometimes it would be other teachers that I've had in the past um, that said like, oh, you'll, you'll be a, t a great teacher someday. Um, sometimes it's, you know, like family members or neighbors. I had a neighbor who was also a teacher and she agreed that, yeah, she's going to be a great teacher. And when it was time to go off to college and, you know, you're already trying to figure out who you are at age 18. Um, and I had this, this script in my mind of so many people telling me over the years, oh, she's going to be a teacher when she grows up. Um, almost to a fault that I kind of rested on my laurels and just assumed, like, yeah, I guess that's what's supposed to happen. I didn't really know myself any other way. Um, I also didn't really feel like I had many other strengths other than working with kids. And, and I had worked in summer camps for children with developmental disabilities for many years. And I worked specifically in the behavioral education area. And so I dealt with a lot of really difficult situations for many summers, um, you know, from getting bitten to kicked to kids running away and, and things like that. And I thought, well, maybe, you know, maybe this is where I'm, I belong. I'm kind of tough skinned and I can go into special education. Um, and then I saw the burnout rate of special education. And if you aren't aware, the burnout rate is about seven years of special education. That most teachers are only stay in that profession and they move into something else, whether that be administration or um, they go back to like core content teaching, like a, a typical, you know, regular classroom teacher, so to speak. Um, and when I went to college, I also had this burning passion for art. I had been in a teacher's intern all, you know, through my senior year of high school for my art teacher. And I really felt like, okay, if I have to be a teacher, then I want to be an art teacher because it's going to be way more fun for me and way more fulfilling. And art is my passion. That's where my interest lies. And, and then I can do both things. I can get the best of both worlds. Um, I also had taken about eight years worth of French lessons, French classes. And I thought, well, I could be like an art teacher and a French teacher, you know, a, a jack of all trades ultimately master of none. Um, but the college that I had selected didn't offer French. They only offered Spanish and German. And I had only taken about two years worth of Spanish uh, concurrently with Latin and French. And so Spanish wasn't really high on my register. And I really didn't want to start over at the very beginning of German. And I had already taken so many credits worth of French that I passed through the foreign language requirement without having to take any foreign language. So that freed up some time for more education classes and more art classes. So I kind of just wrote off the French teacher aspect. Um, it wasn't going to be an option for me through the degree or through the university that I went to. So I kind of just focused on pouring my energy into that art cup and hoping that my parents wouldn't really notice <laughs> that I was taking you know, less and less education classes and more and more art classes. And 
ultimately, and I said like, oh, it's my minor. Art is my minor, it's my specialty. I'm gonna double major in education and art. And realizing like that wasn't, that strategy probably wasn't the best strategy. And talking with my um, admissions counselor and them saying, you know, that's a, that's a really big caseload. That's a big workload of classes and you're gonna have to do student teaching and practicum and all these things and at the time my very you know naive 20 year old brain was saying like well that sounds really hard and boring and art is far more fun and fulfilling to me so I'm just gonna kind of secretly drop the education part of my degree and really just focus on art um, needless to say my parents were not as thrilled about my transition into being a fine art major and I assured them that my theater design double major was going to help and that I would work for a theater company and I would build sets and hang lights and do um, lighting and music design and sound design and all sorts of things and I would be able to get a job. Uh, living in Milwaukee in the early 2000s, that really wasn't uh, feasible for me <laughs> coming from a really small liberal arts, religious liberal arts college. So my, though my parents were, you know, not the most thrilled about it, they, they ultimately, you know, said, okay, this is what you want to do, then you're going to do what you want to do. And I just leaned into the art world and, and really tried to become uh, a working artist and saw how difficult that was growing up in a smaller Midwestern city um, and just having a, a much smaller base to to expose yourself to ultimately like it was probably the best decision ever um, I met my best friend literally the first minute of college we've been best friends since then and I somehow convinced him to also be an art major with me um, he was going to focus on computer science and he said you could do both of those things I'm doing two things you can do two things too and and he's a, a beautiful musician and we really just connected um, as friends and as artists and we you know obviously we're still kind of together we're still best friends years and years later um, but it, it gave me some better perspective on broadening my world and not surrounding myself with people that were only art majors or people that only kind of fell into my inner circle ultimately after the fact though I did realize that education was a better train for me to take and though I did graduate with the Bachelors of Fine Arts in theater design, um, it wasn't long before I realized like all those people for all those years were right. And I really would have made a better teacher. And it wasn't that I was struggling as an artist and was you know bailing on that dream, but it was really the rationalization that I have a lot to give and a lot to teach to people and provide to people. And my art wasn't always going to do that because art is so subjective and, and people will receive your art in specific ways and it might not be ways that you want them to, to receive it. And, and so being a teacher gave me far more opportunity to kind of spread, not only like spread my knowledge because like I have applied to be on Jeopardy several times and passed the test and things like that. Like I, I do have a lot of knowledge but I also like to deliver it in a beautiful way, a way that people better understand. So I did go back to school. I ended up getting a master's in teaching and credentials to be a teacher. And 
our country was also going through a really difficult recession. And it was really difficult to get a teaching job. And there were a lot of people afraid to leave the teaching profession at that time because they had seniority and tenure and the stability of you know, not, not losing their job because of their tenure. So green teachers like me, uh, it became really difficult for us to get jobs. And when I look back, like obviously all things in hindsight, um, it was a great opportunity because it did make me struggle. It wasn't a, a cop-out that I, I struggled in art and I was gonna struggle in education too. And the struggle is where you learn, really learn to um, find growth. You can't grow if you're being comfortable and those areas of discomfort is where you grow the most. So that was important. Um, I also you know, started a family at the same time and trying to go to grad school when you are uh, seven months pregnant is really difficult and trying to finish your student teaching semester when you're nine months pregnant is even more difficult and it taught me a lot about myself um, I bounced around to a variety of different schools and grades public schools private schools and ultimately kind of fell into the world of Montessori education Montessori if you aren't familiar with what Montessori is um, it's an educational pedagogy that's been around for over 100 years, and it was kind of discovered or began by Maria Montessori um, in the very early 1900s in Italy. And she, her, the tenement of her educational philosophy is that teachers should be a guide on the side, not the sage on stage, and very different to the ancient Greek methodology of teaching, you know, be that like Socrates and Plato and these great educators of the past, their job was to kind of crack open a student's head and pour in everything that they had. And that never really resonated with me to just kind of stand in front of a group of kids and blab at them all day. Whereas Montessori education was so much more hands-on. It was so much more observant and intentional and beautiful that even the materials, you know, they're based on nature. Everything is wood. Everything is natural. And it, it really felt more like home as an educator. So I taught Montessori education for many, many years. Um, I taught you know, the elementary level, the upper elementary slash middle school level. I even you know, started teaching in preschool level, which struck me as insane because I had vowed so many years ago, okay, if I'm gonna be a teacher, I'm only gonna teach fourth grade. I'm never gonna teach any other grade. I had a really amazing um, student teaching experience in fourth grade with an incredible mentor teacher um, in Wisconsin. And she really showed me just the, the amount of fun that you can have with fourth graders. And they are a great group of kids. They're in an age bracket where they can carry on a conversation, but they're still really silly and fun. Um, they haven't quite hit that adolescent puberty stride yet. so. The, the attitude is more minimal. Um, but there was something about Montessori that kept drawing me back. I kept falling into different Montessori teaching opportunities. I wasn't really seeking them out. They kind of just became part of me and in, in a haphazard way. And I, it really felt like the universe was kind of calling me down that Montessori path, both you know, as my own personal educational philosophies, but also what I wanted my child to experience as a young student too. And I think there's nothing more difficult than being the kid of a teacher 
to be a teacher's kid, <laughs> especially when you're a teacher's kid at the school that your mom is a teacher at and the scrutiny that might follow with that. And it's something that my daughter and I laugh about often because you know, it, it is more difficult, but being a teacher and being a parent at the same time gives you the two sides of the coin. You can see as a teacher, um, you know, all of these different things, developmental milestones you want to help students get through. And as a parent, you also see the deep care and love about all of kind of the soft skills that some teachers aren't as observant of. And to me, Montessori gave me as a teacher far more opportunity to be observant of all those aspects of a student and ultimately all those aspects of my own kid because we were kind of doing those same things at home then too. So you can kind of like fast forward through the, the many years of teaching. We're going on like 15 plus years now of teaching and in a, in a variety of different settings and um, I've, I've gained a lot in my toolbox over these last you know 15 years. And the more years that kind of stack on top um, as I go through the, the world of education, especially coming off of the 2020 and 2021 school years, um, I have so many, you know, you have your like your teacher besties and your friends, but I've also been given so many opportunities to share the things that I'm passionate about and the things that I'm constantly learning about um, with my colleagues and with my coworkers. And it wasn't until those opportunities started to come up that I saw myself really as a guide on the side. And someone who is alongside you, coaching you along, um, giving you little nuggets, giving you things to observe, giving you things to think about, but ultimately letting the other person run the show, letting the student drive their learning, letting my coworkers you know, run their classrooms the way that speak to them, but coming and observing and giving advice and giving support more than anything. Um, I, I think I was just telling my husband this the other day that like, I think everyone should go to therapy. I think that it's a great, it's a great tool for every person, particularly teachers, um, because we don't get a lot of opportunity to have someone talk to us or for us to kind of talk to someone. And so maybe like a, a hidden subconscious goal of this podcast as well is to kind of be a little bit therapeutic for you, um, for you as a listener and for me as the guide on the side. Um, but ultimately, I want to help encourage and raise a new generation of guides on the side. I want each of you to become a guide on the side and to, to really follow along with your people, your tribe, whether that be your family people or your coworker people or your student people, um, and how can you serve others altruistically? Um, how can you help them meet their goals and meet their needs where they are day in and day out. Um, but ultimately, like, how does that also serve you in the end? And do your, um, are your focuses or your intentions aligned in the right ways? You know, and, and that kind of where it leads us then to the Enneagram. And ultimately, like in my opinion, the Enneagram is kind of how you see the world and how you see the world in others. But it also, is patterns of thought and feelings and motivations and perceptions and ultimately we are all of the nine types and episode two will focus far more on just the background of the Enneagram but the Enneagram really became a useful tool for me to kind of 
use as a lens in which I see my classroom or in which I see my students or their parents and how I can better communicate because ultimately us humans we're the only like highly intelligent communicatory mammals like all mammals can communicate and all species communicate in their own ways we just do it in a much more what we feel is a much more advanced level um, but that communication is more than just what's happening in the moment it's all of the context of what's happened within that other person that you're communicating with and all of the baggage that came from behind them as well and I really felt there's a lot of things happening in our world right now, both educationally and psychologically and obviously physically and emotionally um, going through the last you know 19 months that we've gone through that we all could become better communicators. And all of us need guides, guides on the side. And we can be great communicators and we can be great guides on the side for everybody, including ourselves. Sometimes you have to parent yourself and guide yourself. And so that has led me to, to kind of launching this guide on the side um, quest, I suppose is the best word. Um, it's beginning with the podcast, but it's also going to be integrated within my website. Um, it will be integrated within tutorial videos that will be available to you. It will be integrated into training materials for you as educators to use in the classroom tomorrow. <laughs> um, training opportunities for me to come and observe and work with you specifically um, to become a better guide on the side, it, as well as like a, a book that's kind of coming down the pipeline as, as we grow together and as we kind of climb this next Everest, as you will. Um, so I'm really happy that you're here. I'm happy that I am here. Um, I hope that you are excited to hear about what's to come and that you will find some value in all of these tiny nuggets that I have to share, these little acorns that I have to share throughout our time together. Um, and one last thing that I, I am an intentional about doing within my classroom and within my own practice, um, I am a mindful, mindfulness uh, specialty teacher and have been trained in providing mindfulness in the classroom and so I would like to always end each episode with you know not only a thanks uh, because I think that gratitude is the beginning of all things but also a little mindful reflection um, an opportunity for you to ruminate before you know, the episode ends or before the, your next you know podcast episode that you're listening to comes on your shuffle or um, you know, you, you get out of the car and begin your day or end your day, um, but just a, a moment to, to sit with whatever you'd like to sit with in that moment. So that moment's going to begin here in a second, and then you'll hear some exit music, and that's kind of your cue to return to your body, return to the space, and I appreciate you being here, and I'm excited for this journey together for you to become a guide on the side. moment. I invite you to breathe in through the nose and out through your mouth. Breathe in so that your lungs are filled to capacity. And as you breathe out, breathe out a feeling, that sense of letting go. As you breathe in, fill the body Feel your body getting fuller. 
and then breathe out. Feel the release of any tension. As you breathe in, fill your body with feeling alive and grateful. As you breathe out, feel your muscles relaxing. breathe in, breathe in that sense of fullness, of presence, of being awake. And when you breathe out, breathe out any unnecessary tension or distraction. As you look around, find one thing that you're grateful for within your eyesight or within your mind's eye. Openly thank that thing. Find that space of gratitude. And be well.